God. Um, it's a good day, folks. It is a good day. God is stirring things up. God's working in people's lives, sometimes in a way that we might choose a little differently. But he's preparing us for this move of God that's coming. I mean, have you noticed how there's this growing anticipation of this move of God? Father, I ask that you would just uh, speak through me this morning. And as always, I pray that if there's anything I say that is not of you, that it would <coughs> fall on the ground before us, but that which is of you would pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. But have you also noticed there's a growing opposition to Christianity? I'm not sure why, other than it's the truth and the enemy doesn't like it, which is a pretty good reason. But we started going through this section of scripture that I believe helps us to be able to handle uh, both the move of God that's coming, but also the opposition that may also be coming, that it, actually it's already here. So how do we handle both? And that's why we're going through Romans 12, 9 to 21, because I think it gives us some real clues and some real direction, some real strength on how to do that. You know, it's, it's called in the ESV, Marks of a True Christian, in the LEB, Living in Love, in the NKJV, Behave Like a Christian. And of course, the one we're using is out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible. It's called Christian Ethics. And I, I know I read this every, every week, but it's, it's important for us to understand what ethics is. It's moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. And Christian ethics are principles that we, as followers of Jesus, need to follow in order to behave as Jesus did in relating and interacting with others, and not just fellow believers, but those that don't know the Lord. See, in this section of Scripture, Romans 12, 9 to 21, which I'm going to read in a second, Paul does this amazing job just an outstanding job on providing the church a guide on how to live the Christian life as God would have us to do that, as he desires for us to do. Whether, again, we're in times of blessing or we're in times of suffering. Now, I know we don't like that word suffering, but it's all through the New Testament. It's all through the Old Testament. It's it's all through the Bible. and But the truth is, when we're pressing into God, suffering can be really not that significant. You know. But Romans 12, 9 to 21, reading from the ESV. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. 
be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's a good one. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Mm. I've never avenged myself. Lord, forgive me for lying. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, now this is, the, I, this is a good part, and I have to repent after this one too, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know, forgive me, Lord, for desiring that. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to point something out that I probably should have pointed out at the very first in this series. Everything we're studying in Romans 12, 9 to 21 must be looked at in the light of Romans 12, 1 to 3. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You want to worship God? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be discerned what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All I can say about those three uh, verses is powerful, powerful, powerful. We are called by God to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Not only to present it, but in a holy and acceptable manner. And that's the value of these verses of 9 to 21 is helping us to do. It's, it's helping us to be able to present in a holy and acceptable manner. And as we do, we are worshiping God in spirit. And I think also we're becoming more and more like Jesus. See, and if we don't, but we present our bodies to anything or anybody else, we're being conformed to this world, which we don't want to do. We are not to be conformed to this world, for it's often opposite of faith in Jesus. Instead, we should renew our mind by filling our minds and our thoughts and our hearts with things of the kingdom of God. With, as it says in the full arm of God, to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word of the living God, and to use it 
always testing everything to make sure that it is the will of God for us, always choosing what is acceptable and perfect, God's best for us. You know, so that's, that's why Paul is encouraging Christians, followers of Jesus, to live in a particular way so that we will be able to relate well with our brothers and sisters, but also provide a solid witness to the world we live in. So moving on to Romans 12, 11, the next verse we're going to look at. It's an interesting one. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Um, possibly a better translation of the do not be slothful in zeal is to say be in diligence, not in slothfulness. Or be in zeal, not in slothfulness. I believe what Paul is asking us here as he's making these comments is, how are you doing? How's your spirit? What's your life look like as you follow after Christ? What is our moral earnestness? He's asking us, do we really understand what it is to be a Christian and do we really want to be a Christian as God defines it? What is the spirit that we are walking in as we pursue being a Christian as God defines? Now, we're under grace, okay? We're under grace. I, I do a poor job of this. Okay? I, I, I don't I'll just leave it go with that. But we need to understand that. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. See, as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be just ho-hum. We shouldn't be milk toast. We shouldn't be que sarah, sarah, sarah. It requires a commitment. It really does. That's why God asks, tells us up front to count the cost. You know, I've said this before, and I, but you know, the the, the people in Iran, there's a there is a, a great move of God in Iran, but they don't even start with the gospel. They start with, are you willing to count the cost? Because the cost may be their life. The cost may be their house. And things that Michelle was praying for for India. It's not just in India where those things are happening. It's happening in a lot of places around the, this world. God wants us to go fully in. He does. It's quiet in here, isn't it? But it's true. We are to be earnest in all we do in the kingdom. We are to walk in a manner where we are alive in Christ. But not only just alive in Christ, where we are absolutely enjoying everything we're doing because we know that we are doing things that will help other people to come into the kingdom to realize what they've been missing, but what they need. 
you all know my story with Randy Haber, who who just gave, who put up with my persecution, for lack of a better word, for a year. He just kept loving me. He just kept turning the other cheek. He just kept going the extra mile until I came to the place and I went, Randy, I can't do it anymore. Tell me about Jesus. And I grew up in a church and I'm asking him to tell me who this Jesus is. We were to be vigorous in our approach to what we were doing for God. No matter what it is God has us doing, if it's cleaning the toilets, if it's witnessing the people on the street, if it's giving our last penny, whatever it is that God wants us to do, we need to do it vigorously and with joy. Especially those things that God has gifted us with. Let me remind you of those titles or the way this verse is said in different verses again. Do not be slothful in zeal. NLT, never be lazy. Do not lack diligence in zeal. It's not lacking in diligence. Now this word slothful, okneros, it's not a word that we want to be associated with. It means lazy. It means sluggard. It means hold back. It means idle. It means be slow to. It means to shrink back from. It means to hesitate, to be sluggish, troublesome, causing reluctance. It's not a very positive word. I, I, I don't believe anybody here really wants to be associated with that word. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. And hopefully the folks out there find themselves not wanting to be associated with that word. So what, what could contribute to our lives, to a believer's life, that would cause us to lean toward being slothful, being lazy? And there's actually many things. How about lack of a vision? People perish for lack of a vision. How about lack of faith? How about thinking less of yourself than you ought? We've talked about that a lot. You're God's favorite. I, I was talking to the Lord yesterday about a particular situation and, and just talking to him, and I'm going, you know, well, why? And he says, because you're one of my favorites, Gary. We don't want to think less of ourselves. Because when we do that, we start looking in, in, inwardly and we're not looking at who our God is. How about hurts from the past where we may not have forgiven people? Not understanding the real value of relationships. That's why we talk about relationships around us so much. You know, a few weeks ago, or, or maybe, no, I guess it was last week, when we talked about how the love we need to have for each other is the same love with natural families. Not understanding the importance each person has in Christ. You are valuable. You are magnificent. You're wonderful. God absolutely adores you. Tell me another religion that says that. 
not around people that, and having relationships where people edify you or encourage you or, or comfort you. Again, you don't have a vision that you are God's favorite. Submitted to poor teaching, needs improvement in Bible reading, or needs Im improvement in prayer life. And again, I'm talking about the nouns, not the adjectives. In other words, we all, we all walk in all of these from time to time. I'm talking about camping out there. The bottom line for followers of Jesus is really quite simple. We are to be sincere in our efforts. We are to be full of life and joy. We are to be energetic for God. All of which helps us to overcome the reasons why we can not be, why we can be slothful. In other words, helps us to not be slothful. So moving to the second part, be fervent in spirit. I like this one. The Jerusalem Bible puts it this way, with great earnestness of spirit. RSV says, be aglow with the spirit. And the Moffat says, maintain the spiritual glow. That word fervent, Greek word is zo, is be excited, be enthusiastic, bubble over, be very eager to make to, bo uh, make to boil, be hot for the Lord. Obviously, our desire should be that we are opposite of slothful. See, if we truly wish to not be slothful, which our flesh can be, I don't know anybody else's flesh can be slothful, but mine can, then we need to walk in the fervency of our spirit which, while following the Holy Spirit. And that will help us to overcome laziness. It will help us to not hold back but go for the gusto. To, to not hesitate, to refrain from being a sluggard, to not be troublesome, to be hot, even to boil over for Christ. Once again, it's all about our spirit being in concert with Holy Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, now the apostle's word, translated here as fervent, means to boil, to be hot, or to be a glow. These are powerful words. Paul really wants us to be on fire for the Lord like he was. Paul, now, we can't define that. That means we've got to go out, we've got to be thrown over the side, we've got to be shipwrecked, we've got to be killed, we've got to be, no. That, but his heart To always be on fire for our God. To never hold back. To never hesitate. But to actually, as we spend time with him, to boil over. Second Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this about that verse. Timothy was in a state of fear. And the apostle says, that is not the spirit God has given us. And he goes on to say that God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Not slackness, not indolence, not slothfulness, not lethargy, lethargy, excuse me, but instead discipline, power, love, and sound mind. 
Now, we must remember something. This applies to all people. It doesn't matter if you're a, a person who's lethargic and phlegmatic. It doesn't matter if you're a person who's ver verbose and full of energy. What matters is that we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and we're crying out to God and asking Jesus to help us be who he has created us to be. It's not a, you got to look like Paul or you got to look like this person or that person. It's, you got to look like who you're designed to be. Because everybody's different. Everybody's created in God's image, powerfully and wonderfully, but everybody has their own personalities. And that's okay. Again, it's, it's, it's what matters is that we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and that our spirit is in concert with Holy Spirit and that we are seeking the Holy Spirit for the power and energy. See, if the Holy Spirit is within us, Paul, I think, is saying very clearly that we are to be energetic. And again, that can look different for some people, okay? Energy, energetic for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Energetic for the gospel, and the signs and wonders that follow. Do we really want to see people healed? Do we really want to see people saved? Do we really want to see ourselves healed? Energetic for the giftings and abilities God has given each one of us. See, when we became saved and we got into a, and, and set into a, a, a church, I believe that every one of us has been given a special deposit of giftings and abilities that he wants to use. Energetic for prayer, his word, building the kingdom. Energetic to comfort, encourage, and strengthen others. So how do we do this? Well, God tells us in 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. To seek God. Ask him. Ask him. Keep knocking on the door until he answers. See, when we became a follower of Jesus and we received the Holy Spirit and our giftings, we also received this amazing ability to walk fully and energetically into everything he has for us. The first 10 years of my walk, I learned about the grace of God. And you know why I learned about the grace of God? Because he worked in me in spite of the fact that I wasn't seeking him for everything he had for me. And yet he still did make deposits that came out later. later. Because I, I let things of the past and things in my life get in the way. We just need to ask and then we just need to use them. 
I, I think this is a place that, and I know Terry will agree, we just want to release people to walk into everything God has for them. Because in the end, I'm going to get blessed. A little selfishness there, okay? But if I need to repent, God will tell me you don't need to. <laughs> Moving on to the third part of the verse. Serve the Lord. What greater way is there than to prove we're not slothful and to demonstrate our fervency in spirit than to energetically serve our God? And others, others too, but to serve our God, to work with God, to be his co-worker. I mean, I love 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. See, the word for serve there, duluo, means to be a slave, perform the duties of a slave, be subjected to, to be in bondage. Does that kind of get under your skin a little bit? Do you find that a little bit offensive, especially today? Maybe people out there, maybe even irritate you. I'm the boss of me, not you. I'm no one's slave. But think about it. We've been bought. First Corinthians 6.20 says, For God bought you with a high price, not just with a price, but with a high price, the blood of Jesus, his death on a cross, everything he went through. So we're called to honor God with our body. We must glorify God with our bodies. We are not our own. And that's a tough one. And I understand that because I've wrestled with that. You know, this, this year I'm celebrating 50 years with the Lord. But I've wrestled with this for probably close to 50 years. What do you mean I'm not my own? What do you mean I'm your slave? We belong to God. See, though, but when you look at it from a different angle, you know, that even though we were bought with a prize, what happened? Well, we traded righteousness being like filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6, to being righteousness of God. Let me take a poll. Who wants to have righteousness like filthy rags? How about righteousness of God? Who wants to have that? Okay, some of you are on the fence. We're praying for you. So being his slave, being bought by him, should not be offensive because we're not talking about slavery as it's often defined. We're talking about a love slave. We're talking about a relationship that is absolutely amazing where he takes care of us better than we will take care of ourselves. See, we traded a horrible life and future, one that was full of death and pain, for one where we will be like Jesus. I mean, think about that for a couple thousand years. We will be like 
Jesus. No, we're never going to be God like he is, but we will be like him. And I'm looking forward to getting to heaven to figure that one out. But we will be able to go from... We won't have sin. I don't even know if we're going to eat. Well, I guess there's going to be a banquet, so I guess we'll eat prime rib. And for those who may be vegans, there'll be some carrots for you. <laughs> some some bro broccoli, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm really not. See, we should see what he did for us as this indescribably huge favor. So why wouldn't we want to totally devote our life to him? To say, you're our Lord and our master. Because he is our Lord and our master. Because now... We have this amazing life that lies before us instead of death staring us in the faith. Face. 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 It's not face. Face. So this may cause you to have the question, and it did cause me, and that's why what I'm saying after this follows. So how can I serve him? It says to serve him. How do I, a mere mortal, human being, that is not a sinner because I have a perfect spirit, but still sin, serve God? There's many ways. You can start with Matthew 5.14. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. So we can speak forth his gospel. Second part of Matthew 5.14 says... We're city set on the hill that will draw people to us. That's us together collectively. And that's what we want to be. How about by teaching others about Christ or mentoring others? See, I believe in a three-tier mentoring system. Okay? I always stumble over this. Barnabas brought Paul, right? And Paul brought Timothy. Barnabas was mentoring Paul. Can you imagine that? God, I Gary, this is God. I want you to mentor Paul. Huh? <laughs> but we should be mentoring people. But we also should have people in our lives that are speaking into our lives. Reaching out to others. Using our God-given skills that he has given us and, and, and just using them. How about hospitality? You know, if you feel, if you hear somebody is sick, take them a meal. Giving in many different ways. There's all kinds of ways we can give. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking of yourself. 